Hello and welcome to Maine ASCD, the podcast, the podcast where we talk about whole child education and its tenets of healthy, safe, engaged, supported, and challenged. I am your host today, Dr. Lee Alley. I am the executive director of Maine ASCD. And joining us today in the podcast is Bill Zima, the director of implementation for Marzano Academies. And he's here to speak with us specifically about the tenets of challenge and engagement. As you settle in and get cozy and ready to listen to the podcast, I'd encourage you to click subscribe if you haven't already so that you never miss a new edition of Maine ASCD, the podcast. We can be found everywhere podcasts are heard. And without delay, here's the conversation with Bill. So today on Maine ASCD, the podcast, we're talking with Bill Zima. I'm your host, Lee Alley, the executive director of Maine ASCD. As you know from listening to our podcast, we like to do a couple of things on Maine ASCD, the podcast. We like to spotlight a member, and Bill is a member, so hi, Bill. And we also like to just invite on guests to talk with us about whole child tenants, healthy, safe, engaged, supported, and challenged. And so today we have longtime member Bill Zima with us. Welcome, Bill. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Lee. Thanks for the invite. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're really excited to be talking with you. And um, for folks who don't know, Bill is the implementation leader for Marzano Academies. And that's a fairly new position for Bill. It, it makes a lot of sense if you have followed the trajectory of Bill's career. I know a lot of folks already know who you are, Bill. Matt Drewett Card says hello, by the way. <laughs> and he was excited to know that you would be joining us today. So before I sort of start hitting you with the questions, I'd like you to just um, take a moment to talk about maybe your philosophy for education and the, just that trajectory of your career. So how did you become the implementation leader at Marzano Academies and how is it a fit for you? Sure, great, thank you. Yeah, um, I was a longtime middle school science teacher and um, I really uh, believe that's kind of where a lot of the uh, philosophy and theory, obviously middle level education has a strong uh, focus on the learner at the center um, you know, it's part of the middle level philosophy, part of the thought uh, behind, you know, the whole child is, is what we're focused on. So I, um, then I became an assistant principal of the middle school, uh, Massabesic Middle School down in Waterboro. Uh, and it was there that we began um, a series of conversations around what is it that we really want kids to know and be able to do? We don't want them to know chapter seven of a textbook. We don't want them, you know, to know um, this worksheet. We, we really are after, um, you know, uh, conceptual understandings and, and skills that, that are, are lifelong and enduring. So uh, we decided to kind of start a process uh, that, that um, you know, uh, it, looking at standards-based grading uh, and, and when I say standards-based grading, a lot of times, I think sometimes people get that confused with standard-based reporting, which sure. is not always the case. We were looking at uh, being able to uh, grade and figure out where kids were in, in a trajectory of standards and not necessarily change our report card or anything like that. Um, then it was in that process that we started partnering with the Reinventing Schools Coalition when they uh, first came to Maine. But 
Um, that work prompted uh, further conversations for me and for our middle level folks uh, and then for the rest of the district around, well, what is it that we really want in, in schools? And, and what we came to realize is what we're really interested in is, is the idea of developing agency in all kids, giving kids that believe that they can control their lives. They have the skill set to um, make a difference for their lives. And so it, it all started becoming about, okay, so how do we do that? What, what does agency look like? How, how, how can you create learning opportunities to do that? And then that led me on my continued career then to the principal of Mount Ararat Middle School and then superintendent of RSU2, which I just finished up in July. Um, and it was through that work that I started blogging and started communicating. And that's how Dr. Marzano uh, came to know who I was. And then when he decided to start the academy, so Marzano Academies, for those who, who aren't familiar, uh, Dr. Marzano has uh, sold Marzano Resources, Marzano Research, and has started a nonprofit to partner directly with schools to help them realize their unique, unique vision of learner-centered, proficiency-based, or as he calls it, competency-based education. So he's a firm believer in, in that, as am I, uh, that if you get really clear in learning outcomes with kids and, and you give them feedback based on strong um, assessment techniques, uh, you can really do a great job of, of helping kids build that that agency because they're going to see that they're progressing in their um, capacity in their skill set and then that's going to drive their mindset and that's going to be where the success comes from so uh, he wanted to work directly with schools to ensure that that vision becomes a reality instead of being a professional development leader uh, which of course he was um, but he just found he would go in, work with schools, and then they would kind of um, do their own thing or, or not really follow through on, on suggestions. And then they would say, well, that didn't work. And he's like, well, but you didn't really do it. <laughs> so right. that's why he uh, started this. And then after about a year and a half of the two of us just talking um, with each other, I just, he would call me to ask me uh, some questions, uh, you know, being a superintendent who had done it, uh, he was wondering about, you know, how would you go about administrating this uh, type of work? Because even though he's been a teacher, a researcher, and an author, he's never been a, uh, an, an, an administrator. So um, he, he was kind of asking those questions. And then uh, after about a year and a half of that, he finally just said, hey, you want to just join me full time and do this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's so, perfect yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's that work of translating the theory to practice right it's it's yes. difficult to do sometimes and I think people forget um, sometimes when they make the leap as you have built to, to various roles that it doesn't take long to serve in a specific role before you kind of forget the realities of that other role and so <laughs> to have somebody to have a practitioner to really keep you grounded in the reality I think is really valuable so that's a perfect fit and um, you know you're, you're a great choice for that position it's really exciting that you're part of that work yeah yeah it's it is exciting and I, I enjoy the opportunity to meet and, and discuss 
educational theory with with educators across the country. It's you know I, I'm I'm back to working directly with teachers and principals, um, in in the uh, quest to figure out how we best help young learners, uh, you know, get to where they need to be. So it's it's great. Absolutely, you said so much, Bill, in in that. Um you know, sort of introduction to you, your philosophy and the work you do, you said so much about best practice that really resonates with me, particularly as, you know, a real proponent of the whole child. I love what you shared about the connection between skill set and mindset. You know, we talk a lot at Maine ASCD about that connection between the social emotional stuff and the cognitive stuff and how the one can't really exist without the other and how important both are to agency. And so that's really encouraging to hear you speak about. One of the things that I'm hearing a lot, even among colleagues who I really value lately is this idea that you have to Maslow before you bloom. And I guess while I don't sort of disagree at the face of that, obviously we have to make sure that our learners are, you know, healthy and safe and supported there at the base before we can expect them to really, you know, have that agency and be high achieving and all of those sorts of things. It really is a disservice if we wait to do the challenge and engagement piece, you know, yeah. we have to do those concurrently or else we sort of perpetuate this academic pity that we don't want to see happen mm -hmm. and that sort of academic pity doesn't break a cycle so you can you speak to some of the efforts that you are making around agency particularly in the face of ambiguity i love what you said about reflexive practice you know helping helping educators and administrators to drill down on those really difficult questions and especially when it comes to that implementation piece and then just holding up that mirror to them you didn't actually implement you didn't actually give that time you know what are what are your your suggestions about how you you know kind of stick with it in the face of the ambiguity when you don't necessarily have the hard and fast evidence it's so easy to abandon our efforts when we know that best practice says we have to sit with it, we have to really work with it, we have to let that take root. So what is partnering with Marzano Academies look like, you know, in those domains? And so how do you help educators to get comfortable with the ambiguity and to keep doing the hard work, even when there's no fruit borne out yet? Yeah, uh, th those are all great questions. And, and uh, going back uh, to what you said, um, about uh you know that academic pity i i love that uh, i've never heard that before so um i mean that that phrasing that way I mean, obviously i i know what it's it's in reference to and uh lee i share the same concerns that that you expressed that um you know that concern that sometimes we start fulfilling that prophecy of well, well, these kids uh, are so uh, overwrought with, with struggle that that they're not able to get to anywhere. Well, if if we're not using that academic, if if, if they don't develop the skill sets that that give you agency, because agency is two pieces, right? It's the skill set and the mindset. And if absolutely and if constantly. Filling and, and and don't get me wrong, I understand that that a lot of our students come with these backgrounds. But as as soon as we can can get an opening, we have to take it to 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 keep emphasis on those those academic skill sets. And and you know that that includes you know uh, you know literacy, you know reading for understanding. And and when I say reading for understanding, I mean both quantitative and qualitative uh, measures and, and, and 
things like that. And then also problem solving and collaboration. So those skill sets that are going to send, set them, them up for success. Cause hope is, is, is that belief that I can make tomorrow better than it is today. And, and that, so it, 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 it hope lies in a very act, active and, and uh, you know, with, with agency, that, that person, the agent has to have that active pursuit to be able to control their lives if we really want them to have hope. So there's a lot of great books out and more and more are coming out now around what people are referring to as the upward spiral. So mm-hmm. once you get kids into this mindset where they believe that they can, that's what's going to actually pull them up. If, if, if we keep waiting for them to, to, to come out of, of the downward spiral before we could start lifting them up, it, 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 it's not going to work. We got to, every opportunity we have, we have to get in there and start showing them that they do have that skill set to succeed. So um, I, I, and, and, and ultimately helping them build that skill set. So I, I completely agree. Uh, with that. So, and, and sometimes I do worry too, when I hear people talking that, that we become so overwrought with, with the struggles that our kids face that, that sometimes educators almost want to throw their hands up and and we can't, we have to kind of persevere through it, which then leads to that next question uh, in, in a little different way. But with Marzano Academies, one of the reasons why I'm working why I, I, I said yes to Dr. Marzano was because not only uh, is, is he a strong believer in this work, that it's, it's about agency. And, and he's written a couple really good books around agency and around uh, inspiration, especially books that he's written with Daryl Scott, who's a friend of his and was the father of Rachel Scott, who was the first child killed in Columbine. So mm-hmm. um, they've started a wonderful nonprofit called Rachel's Challenge. And so uh, Dr. Marzano sees this connection that it's, it's, it's building this academic set to also then ultimately drive, um, you know, this, this, the, the belief in a kid and, and giving them that agency or self-efficacy uh, to do it. So that was one of the reasons, uh, you know, we had a lot of conversations about that you know his commitment to SEL is is powerful um, mm. but also um, because of who he is as this researcher and 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 um, uh, I, I don't I, I can't think of another word but you know like he, you know he has this focus to detail so and and he wrote high reliability schools so he really likes having um, metrics that he can always compare against. So he had developed 16 school level indicators that came with their own measurement tools. And that's ultimately as the director of implementation, I'm responsible for. So um, I go to the sites, not only am I leading the professional development uh, with our sites, um, and and then of course we have other uh, implementation leaders doing the professional development, but I also oversee all the um, 16 school level indicator measures. And so when, when a site has reached the applying level um, on all 16 of those indicators, that's when they can uh, call themselves a Marzano Academy. Uh, and before that point, 
they're in the process of, of becoming an academy. So that's one of the ways that we can kind of have that measure because what Dr. Marzano wants is he wants the academies to become um, lighthouse to schools across the country on what education can be using the theories that, that he, he has um, espoused. Now, of course, too, uh, you know, I don't want to get too off base, but, you know, Dr. Marzano is one of our researchers, but so is John Hattie and uh, um, um, Susan Brookhart and that. So, you know, and sure. uh, Doug Fisher. So these guys, but all of them, they, they kind of, all their theories support each other. So it's, it's, you know, Dr. Marzano's like, well, you can't talk about Dr. Hattie's work when you're on site. We talk about it often. I mean, visible learning is, is a great resource uh, to kind of help sites uh, deal with what they're trying to deal with. So even though we talk about it's, it's Dr. Marzano's theories, it's, it's kind of his books that we're using as the basis, but they align perfectly with what our other researchers are saying as well. So uh, oh, it's, absolutely. Yeah, it's a great opportunity uh, to kind of do it, but it is those those reasons the fact that dr marzano is so uh such a strong believer in the in the power of social emotional learning within our schools and then also the fact that he has developed uh those those indicators uh to me made made it made it a very easy trade because also those 16 school level indicators line up perfectly with what i tried to do as a principal and as a superintendent as well because i believe it's the right thing to do for for all learners, uh, not just, and, and not even just the kids, but the uh, parents, the, the learners, uh, the, the parents, you know, anybody that's associated with that, with that learning environment. Yeah, I agree. It, it's encouraging to me, Bill, to hear you talk about all of this, because I think part of the power is in the synergy of the research and the researchers collaborating together. So often we're in our silos. And we're sort of very stingy about our resource, our resources, research, our, you know, intellectual property, but it's the sharing. I mean, education is about sharing. It's about community. And yeah. so right now at UMA, I'm teaching that SEL course I had designed. Um, and the, the central text of that is all learning is social and emotional by Fisher and Fry. And um, so, I mean, I think there's real power in the sharing and also power in the sharing of the stories. I think the, the research is fantastic and obviously we have to know how to drill down to practice, but we also need people to just stand up and to share authentically about the experiences that they had. And I think that's one of the things we do pretty well at Maine ASCD. I know we take our whole child show on the road often. And one of the pieces of that is I go talk about Little Lee and how you would never have projected forward from Little Lee that she would have become Dr. Lee because I did grow up in abject poverty in the poorest county of America's most rural state. You know, th those are some of the realities. And so I have to talk about, you know, what were those protective factors that saw me from little Lee through to Dr. Lee. If you were to map backward from doctor and saw the three-year-old Lee with the book in the lap and she could read that, then you would absolutely have thought that would be her. But if you knew that little Lee's story, you wouldn't have thought she could have become probably Dr. Lee. And so I think it's all of those things. And that is a community piece. It's the, the stories and how the stories, whether it's coming from a researcher and they're sharing the stories about you know, real kids in real schools and those sorts of things, or members of the community who are trusted adults coming back and sharing their stories. 
learners really need that aspirational piece. You know, I love what you said about inspiration, but I think, you know, piggybacking on that is aspiration. It can't just be that you saw it and you were inspired by it. You have to see it and then aspire to it because you can see, you know, the strategies for getting there. And Mm -hmm. I love what you've been talking about you know, all the different threads that you've sort of been weaving because it is about skill set plus mindset. It's also about that piece that I talked about, about avoiding the academic pity, because that would have been a pitfall for Little Lee if anybody had ever pitied her instead of seeing the, you know, gifts or whatever. But it also comes back to a question I have for you, Bill, about rigor, because I think so many teachers think that rigor is inherent because the readability level, you know, might be high or something for a text, that rigor just happens if you introduce the right materials but rigor obviously is not a constant so how do you introduce rigor and and what is rigor and how can we ensure we give it to all learners you know where they're at right now that just right challenge yeah I think you know that's really one of those uh, pieces too that kind of led me into ultimately the realm of proficiency based was it it wasn't so much you know uh, that we want all kids to be college and career ready i mean that obviously that is an outcome that that we strive for uh, but that that kind of becomes more of a of a bumper sticker statement than than um, than a uh, driving force and so what what I mean by that is is one of the things that that really drove me with with proficiency based was yes get them ready to the next step once they leave high school but also it allowed us to uh, know exactly where learners are within their own zone of proximal development I mean that's a mm-hmm. that's another uh, uh, researcher in theory Levigotsky that I just it just makes so much sense this this idea. Absolutely that you get a kid into their right level of, of, of struggle. You know, where can the struggle be real? Uh, you know, and, and, and I'm not just talking either that that struggle needs to be real for the, for the uh, student that is behind, but also for the student that is moving forward. Because, um, you know, they, there's actually research that, that, that students that are under-challenged are, are actually more in danger of developing uh, poor work habits than no students who might feel like the struggle is is beyond them. And so right. I, I think that using the proficiency and, and part of the academies is we use Dr. Marzano's proficiency scales. So they not only just the structure that I love so much, but also the um, he's gone in with his team and have uh, unpacked the common core down to the critical concepts and then you use those critical concepts to help figure out where the learner is, you know, as they're laid out in a, in a learning progression, you figure out where the learner is, where they've been, and what those next steps are. And then also with, within the proficiency skills, for those people that are familiar with them, the, uh, the scale level two material, which is, you know, we call the foundational knowledge, that, that He's, he's kind of, he and his team have already unpacked that and built in the, the pieces that, you know, you're going to actually use as your instructional learning chunks. So not only are, are you able to figure out where students are in the progression of the, of the learning targets, um, uh, you know, as it goes from the simple to the more complex, but also then within those scales, you're able to get to those 
that chunk instruction. So um, right off the bat with the academies, uh, we're into talking about how to craft good assessments of both foundational knowledge and of the targeted learning. So we're immediately building capacity into those into those pieces using these these scales um, that uh, that are you know with that can be aligned to the common core. They're not the they're not like just common core stuck in there. They're they're uh, you know because that standards. Um, as Dr. Marzano argues in his book, The New Art and Science of Classroom Assessment, that just using a standard to try to drive learning, it, right. it, they're just too big and ambiguous. So they have right. to kind of be broken down and then, and then, um, and then chunked. And so uh, he has already gone in and done some of that. So with the teachers working together, like I, I, I don't want a teacher to just take the critical concept and just go with it, but with the opportunity to get in and start talking about well, how would we actually assess this to me is a much better uh, and, and richer conversation than it is. Well, what are the actual, you know, how do we unpack this Versus, you know, so you can kind of see the conversation shifts pretty quick to what evidence do we need of learning? And then what am I going to do to help the students be able to give me that evidence? And so right. um, that's kind of how we, we uh, maintain the rigor in the Marzano academies is you have to, there's, there's some non-negotiables and that's one of them. You have to use proficiency scales um, sure. to, in, in order to do it. Well, and you're really starting to drill down on that idea of the difference between standards-based learning and standards-referenced learning. I think that there is that tendency to think that just because we tacked on a standard and the standard fits, that means that we're really moving kids towards those you know, competencies, which isn't necessarily the case. And no. so I, I love that. Um, you, I want to linger for a second, Bill, on the topic of assessment. I know that you created a course for UMA that you've been teaching around assessment. Can you talk a little bit about what goes into a real quality assessment? What are the, what are the lenses that you help educators to use when thinking about that? Sure. Um, like when, when I worked, when I, I taught the class and then also my, my work with Dr. Marzano, we, we, um, we use our proficiency scales and then we begin talking about uh, the idea of validity, reliability, and the big one to me is unidimensionality. So, you know, validity for those of us who remember our assessment 101, that's, you know, does the measure, uh, does the assessment measure what we say it measures? Um, and then reliability is can, can you get the same results in repeated administration? So those are kind of, uh, you know, the basic typical, but a big one to me is, is unidimensionality. And that, what, what that means is, does the assessment or that, you know, this specific project, does it uh, relate to one measurable trait instead of like just a multitude, right? So an example I often use is an uh, example of like, even when I was teaching, I would have my seventh grade uh, students write an essay uh, demonstrating their understanding of uh, uh, global environmental issues, right, let's say. So um, then I would give them just a single grade back. And, and in that grade, I, I looked at their uh, content as far as uh, do they understand the uh, environmental issues we were talking about. But then also um, 
I, I, I give them feedback on presentation. I give them feedback on spelling. I give them, <laughs> right. uh, you know, so there's this whole litany of stuff that goes into this grade. So I would put on the top of their paper, you know, you got a, you got an 85 and, and unless they read those, those little pieces, uh, they don't really know what the 85 meant. Instead, what, what we argue uh, and, and we try to work with the academies to, um, to do is, 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 okay, you have, if, if you have that same essay, then you're, you're, you're tracking uh, how the students are using the content directly through that content proficiency scale. So you're, you're either at the foundational or, or you're, you're at the targeted learning uh, understanding of that proficiency scale. Then for the um, way you constructed the argument, that would go through a different proficiency scale. So, so that you're, you're tracking or, or what Dr. Marzano calls mapping, you're mapping that specific outcome through the proficiency scale and then recording it based on that proficiency scale. So that becomes that standard-based grading. Now, again, not reporting, but grading. We're right. ultimately giving kids feedback on these specific areas of improvement instead of just a, a an, an omnibus grade that says you're good. So, um, you know, we're, we're kind of uh, getting into that. So my course is about that. Then once we kind of build through that understanding, then we start talking about the different ways to build assessments. And then it's not just about tests, but it's about assessments. But you also want to make sure that your assessments are at the correct level of um, correct level of uh, cognitive complexity, if if you will, or right. the depth of learning. So we we attach it, you know, to a taxonomy. We we use Marzano's taxonomy, obviously. Sure. Also Bloom's, and uh, you know, and then we also look at Webb's depth of knowledge because taxonomy a lot of times is is the verb. And then the, the webs is kind of the context and the and the, um, the 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 nouns around that verb. So we want to look at both to ensure that that the questions that you're asking of kids are getting at the level of understanding you're expecting. So uh, if if I could continue on that for one more quick second, then I'll I'll stop going too deep. <laughs> but like uh, you know, if if we want kids to to understand at a comprehension level, let's say, we want them to understand how the basic components come together, which is, which is really actually quite rigorous thinking for a seventh grader as they first start interacting with chemistry <laughs> to kind of come right. to a basic, you know, uh, understanding of how all these pieces come together to help you comprehend um, uh, chemical uh, concepts. So, um, we, we, we may only want it at, at, at the comprehension level where something a, a, a learner has been going in. So like when they come back to it in high school, then you're going to want it at that higher level, at the, at the analysis, at the uh, knowledge utilization level. So, so then, you know, that, that learning grows as you, as you go through it. So that's kind of what we're always trying to get across. You don't, every kid in seventh grade, doesn't have to run an experiment with chemistry in order to demonstrate their understanding of the chemical principles because they're just not at that level of, of learning. You know, that's kind of outside of their zone of proximal development. Um, right, right. When, when you're dealing with like stoichiometry or something like that as far as chemistry. So um, that's kind of what that course and, and what we try to help our sites understand.
I love that. Well, Bill, you could have gone on about that for another hour. I'm a, I'm a geek about these kinds of things. So <laughs> I could have listened for a long time if you had wanted to keep talking. Uh, you know, one of the concerns I have, too, when it comes to assessment, and as you were talking, I was reflecting on it, is just that so many educators are still grading learners on habits of mind as part of that ultimate score. And that's crazy to me that neatness of work is going to factor into whether or not you understand concepts. And I'm still, as a coach, trying to explain to folks, you know, you really have to tease these out separately from each other. Yes, we want to give specific, timely, targeted feedback about habits of work and learning, just like we want to give feedback about, you know, the competencies themselves, but we don't grade those habits of work and learning as part of that. So it's just, you know, I think that there's a lot of work to be done around assessment, but the, yes. the biggest sort of lingering thought question that I had as you were talking about assessment, Bill, if we're thinking about, you know, how do we keep the learner at center? Talk about student choice and voice as part of the assessment process. How can we honor that so that they don't feel assessment is something done to them? It's something done with them and for them. Yeah. Well, and that's that's a great point and uh, you know if we become clear um, on what the outcome of the learning is you know then we can create multiple pathways that kids can choose in order to get there versus if 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 it's not clear and kids are just kind of going through you know that compliance structure of doing what the teacher says in order to get the grade um, then there's far less choice so um, by having um, it, the the proficiency scales and the learning targets associated with those proficiency scales, and then um, putting them together in different ways, you you can create those multiple pathways for kids. We're big advocates in RSU two in in Maine uh, with the teachers there. They were fantastic at being able to uh, take the learning targets and uh, work with the kids to actually teach our kids from uh, you know, late elementary through graduation how to take the learning targets uh, from our curriculum uh, and how to take a taxonomy and actually build uh, assessment options themselves. Like, you know, how are we gonna demonstrate learning? And the kids go through and they, they actually build them out. So that is one of the ultimate goals that we wanna get through with the academies is you know, not only having time for kids to do personal projects and, and explore, and that, that is one of uh, Dr. Marzano's 16 school level indicators is, is that they're involved in these personal projects, but not having that be always a separate time in the schedule, but also having that opportunity where students can, can put together measurement topics in, in different ways uh, to demonstrate that they understand. Because you know, quite frankly, you know, the sites we're working with, we have kids that are um, at all different places, all different interests. So to kind of say there's a single way through learning is, is uh, you know, kind of really some, some, some old way of, of thinking. So being able to challenge ourselves to do that and, and having been the superintendent of RSU2, you know, it was like that as, as I joined, they were already working towards there. Uh, they've done some some absolutely amazing work. And it's, it's, it's really cool to be with a bunch of educators so committed like that to, to kind of watch that process and, and um, that, that is all about the learner. Because it, it yeah. and, and, and they're so willing to flex. I, uh, 
uh, Rick Amaro, who's the principal of Monmouth Academy, I used to sit with him and students would come in and, and they would brainstorm how to get like this one particular kid wanted to do this. And they're like, okay, how are we going to craft our learning <laughs> to get to this kid? So, uh, you know, when you get the people who are truly dedicated to that, to that learner, uh, talk, it's, it's really neat to see, but you, you kind of have to have that, that transparency of what the outcome is in order right. to be able to get there. And that's what proficiency scales can really do for us. Right. Well, you know, involving learners in that way is sort of the ultimate in ownership and agency, right? And so involving them in goal setting and criteria setting is really part and parcel of that. And it has yeah. to be about the pathways because you're right, one size doesn't fit all. And I know when I was a classroom educator, moons ago, I try not to say many, I pretend I'm the Doogie Hauser of educators, <laughs> but <laughs> moons ago when I was a classroom educator, that was so important to me. I mean, the learners had to be involved in that from, from the beginning. They had to help to point their way. And yes, ultimately we use the, the competencies as the, the guideposts and the gatekeepers, but they need to be able to have some flexibility, that voice and choice to think about how they're going to navigate their way there. Yeah. Bill, you, this has been a fascinating conversation for me. If folks wanted to get involved with you and your work and Marzano Academies, are you at a saturation point? Are you still, you know, welcoming new schools and districts? What's the process like? Yeah, no, we're still welcoming new schools and districts all the time. Um, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're in the process of, of building our, our capacity because we are new. It's, it's, like really new, like, I mean, I started July 1st and, and I'm the first, uh, uh, well, I'm the second employee. The first is, is our director of operations. He lives in Arizona, but um, the, uh, we're, we're, we're looking to uh, grow more because we, we want to, um, we want to realize, uh, you know, this, this process. And like I said earlier, Dr. Marzano wants them to be lighthouses for, for schools to see. So uh, it, people can get in touch with, with me directly. Um, my, my email is bill.zima, Z-I-M-A, at marzanoacademies.org. Um, they can Google Marzano Academies, although we, um, our, our website, I think, is not going to be live until uh, January 7th. <laughs> sure. We're, we're still building that out. So that might even be uh, after people hear this podcast, but you know, you can, you can Google Marzano Academies and, and there's a way to contact there. Or if, you know, a, a lot of main educators have my cell phone and, and that's sure. uh, to give me a call. Uh, but uh, we're, we're excited in the way, the way that we do it is, is we, we've built my, one of my earlier roles uh, before I came on full time uh, we worked with Bob to develop a three-phase roll-in. And so people can contact us and say, yeah, we'd like to uh, explore becoming a Marzano Academy. And then um, not only uh, becoming a Marzano Academy, do you get access to the uh, proficiency scales and you get uh, access to Dr. Marzano's compendium of instructional resources um, you also get 22 days uh, direct on-site support from an implementation leader. Um, sure. It, it's constant coaching. And you, and, and you get access to uh, Dr. Marzano himself. Uh, he, he puts his own cell phone out there and encourages people to call. And, and I, always, I always beg sites. I'm like, can somebody please call him? Because he, <laughs> he 
calls me and says, Bill, how come nobody's calling me? <laughs> and yeah. that would be really a great thing to uh, get. So, so those are really nice. Um, and then, um, and then at, at, and anyway, along the way, if somebody decides, yeah, no, we decided, you know, we don't, we don't want to do this anymore, then that's, then that's that, you know, we just kind of, uh, uh, um, you know, agree to sorry. So, so there's no, even though there's like a three phase roll in, like it's, you know, we, 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 we didn't make them academic years because we believed in uh, the adult educator or, or the adult learner also being like um, our student learners in that Absolutely. some may need more time, some may not need more time. So we kind of took the time out of it and we have three phases where we roll the, the academy Yay. model in uh, and again, all with direct support from an implementation leader. And you know, we're we're also available. We do webinars all the time with our sites. So even when we're not on site, we're still available to work with our sites, work with the PLCs, work with a department who may be having specific questions um, around building assessments. That's one of my favorite thing to do is is look over people's assessments and then have a meeting with them uh, virtually. Mm -hmm kind of talk about what I'm seeing in the assessments and then also what they're seeing from the students taking the assessments. So uh, that's, that's all really great work. But all of that can, can uh, be done by uh, contacting me directly, just shooting me an email um, and, and, or, or going to our website and just letting us know you're interested and we can, we can talk further. One of the things I'm really excited about too is uh, we've started a relationship with, with Gallup and we're looking to build out a customized uh, agency survey um, to oh, nice. get to our site so that we can uh, do measures in the fall and in the spring to determine, um, you know, not just the academic growth that we're able to to track through uh, standardized test scores and, and um, through students' progressions through the scales, um, but then also this the the idea of you know are we truly building agency in kids some of those more right. hidden, uh, engagement and well-being type of, of measures so very excited about that too so that that'll be coming to our sites this spring uh, and then and then we'll continue as we add new sites we'll continue uh, adding that service so um, that's that's that something I'm very excited about and then of course also as part of an academy <laughs> you get uh, Rachel's challenge. So they come to your site to do uh, a presentation with your students um, to uh, uh, build that that Rachel's challenge background. Which they're an amazing organization. And and if 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 you're not comfortable with 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 tearing up and getting emotional, then uh, then they they they're they're just incredible at that. They they really get you focused on what really matters. So uh, I'm very excited to have them be a partner with us. So um, that's exciting. Yeah, that's yeah. great, Bill. Well, I I'm so excited by so much of what we've talked about. I'm already thinking we should just schedule a second podcast here, maybe for the spring, because <laughs> there's so many more things I'd like to talk with you about. Thank you so much, Bill, for taking the time. You bet, Lee. It was great, and yeah, I'd love. Uh, we can talk anytime. And if you want to just generally talk and not have a podcast, call me anytime. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Well, I'll be eager to hear where the work goes, though. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm very excited about about where we're going to go. I, I, I think it's the right the right reasons are being addressed, in my opinion. So I'm, I'm excited yeah, to be part of it. 
the reason is fantastic. I always say to my team at Maine ASCD that who is the paramount question of education and mm -hmm. that you can't separate the learner or the educator from the endeavor of learning and teaching. And so now that the, having the right question and especially the question of who I think is really critical. So you've definitely got that at the center, Bill. You're doing great work. It's exciting to hear about it. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Bill. Okay, Lee, we'll talk soon. Okay, take care. All right, bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. We invite you, as always, to talk back with us via any of our social media channels. On Facebook, you can find us at M-E-A-S-C-D. On Twitter, at MaineASCD. And, of course, via the website, MaineASCD.org. And if you'd like to speak further with Bill, you can reach him at Bill dot zima z-i-m-a at marzanoacademies.org thanks for listening we'll catch you next time mm -hmm.